and remember that this morning. Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 1. We'll read this passage of Scripture and have prayer, and then you can be seated. Daniel 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. In the same hour came forth a finger, the fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall, bring clo- shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom." Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. And now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came in to the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the day of thy father light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father the king I say thy father made master of the magicians astrologers Chaldeans and the soothsayers let's bow for a word of prayer and then you can be seated father I want to thank you this morning for the word of God I want to thank you this morning that we that are saved can say we know how it feels. Amen. And certainly there is a difference in being saved by the grace of God. I pray now that you'll give us liberty. I pray, God, that you'll touch us and fill us afresh and anew. Help us, God, to preach as a dying man to dying people. And, oh, God, may you be glorified and may we see no man save Jesus only. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on this subject this morning on the party is over. The party is over. When you come to chapter number 5, there's a new king now. Nebuchadnezzar has died. And the Bible begins in verse number 1 of chapter 5 by talking about this king by the name of Belshazzar. Now, I want you to understand this morning who Belshazzar was. The Bible calls uh, Nebuchadnezzar his father. But if you have a Rock of Ages Bible and you look down there and you can read the history later, I'll not go into all the detail of that, but it explicitly tells uh, uh, that the word father is the same word for the word ancient. And it lays out the kings that were between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar there in those footnotes. uh, And it talks about Belshazzar being the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And so you can read that for your own study at a later time. But really my interest this morning is concerning this man by the name of Belshazzar. Now I want you to notice five things about him very quickly and then we'll bring the message that God laid on our heart concerning this thought, the party is over with. Because Belshazzar represents uh, uh, many people in this world in the day that we're living in in 2018. I see in verse number one here, Belshazzar 
Belshazzar's ball. As the Bible said that Belshazzar king made a, uh, the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords uh, and drank wine before the thousands. Now, Belshazzar invites a thousand officers to come to this great ball, this great feast uh, that Belshazzar is going to have. Uh, but then I notice in verse number two, Belshazzar's gall. He takes it a step further. Notice the gall of this king uh, as he brings these officers in and he begins to have this big feast. The Bible says uh, uh, that while he tasted the wine, he commanded to bring the golden and the silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and the princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and the princes and his wives uh, and his concubines drank therein. They drank wine and praised the God of gold, uh, the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. Now, friend, if that's not some gall, amen, because what Belshazzar did uh, was not no mistake. It wasn't in ignorance, uh, but out of all the vessels uh, that was in the Babylonian treasure house, uh, he wants specifically the, tre- the vessels of gold and silver that was taken out of Jerusalem. He brings them in. Uh, he pours wine in those holy vessels uh, that were used for temple worship uh, and for honoring Jehovah, a uh, king, my friend, of Jerusalem uh, and king of all the world. Uh, but instead of praising the God of Jehovah, you know what he does? Uh, he in the very face of God himself, uh, he begins to praise the gods uh, of silver and of gold uh, and of wood and of iron and of clay. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, every man this morning and every woman may do some things uh, uh, that we sin against God and we all have to plead guilty. Amen? But there are some things uh, uh, that whenever you do, you cross God's deadline. Amen? There are some things today, friend, uh, uh, that you are not going to get by with. And we're living in a day when people think they can shake their fist uh, in the face of a thrice holy God uh, and then walk on their separate way without any consequences. Uh, Well, I'm here to tell you, friend, uh, when we get to verse number five, uh, uh, God declares that the party is now over with. Uh, I want to tell you, friend, that's the day we're living in uh, when God is going to pull the plug uh, on a lot of sin that's going on in this world. Can I get a witness right there? And so we see Belshazzar's ball. We see his gall. But look at verse number five. I want you to see Belshazzar's wall. Amen. Because the Bible says in the same hour came forth fingers of a man hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now I want you to think about this. God had a wall for Belshazzar. He had a sermon that he had prepared because of his sin. Do you know God has a wall for every one of us? My friend, God knows how to write on the wall. Before social media ever came out and before Facebook was ever even known, you know, there's a lot of people writing things on their wall, amen. I'm talking about their Facebook wall and they never think about the consequences. I want to tell you, God has social media before the devil ever came up with it. And in this text, God comes out with social media and on his wall, listen, make no mistake about it, he's writing the sin and the judgment of this king that has sinned against God. Amen. Now this is serious business this morning, isn't it? Because what it tells us is, is that it does not matter 
how, how high up the political status or how high up the popular status a man may, may go. Man is just man at his best. And the world may crown someone king, but there's really only one king, and that's the king of glory. Can I get a witness? And so I see his wall. I see his gall. I see his ball. But I see in verse number 7, on throughout to verse number 29, I see Belshazzar's call. As the Bible said that the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayer. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read the writing and shall me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. But you know what the next verse says? It says that the soothsayers and the astrologers came in, but none of them could interpret the saying that was on the wall. Now think about this. The world can never understand the spiritual things of God. But the Bible says they're darkened unto them. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. There are people that sit in church and they hear preaching, but they don't, they don't, they listen to preaching, but they don't hear preaching. Because the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not a Calvinist this morning. And I believe anybody that wants to be saved can be saved. I believe in a whosoever will gospel. Amen. Don't you believe that? I believe Jesus died for every man, woman, boy, and girl. I believe there's no accidents on God's calendar. And I believe God will save anybody that will come and repent of their sins and believe the gospel. But having said that, friend, it takes old-time conviction to be saved. It takes the drawing power of God. It takes the Holy Spirit to lift the scales off of our eyes and show us our condition. As the choir sang this morning, I'm glad I got lost so I could be saved. Amen. And if you don't ever get lost, then you won't never get saved, friend. Being saved is more than making a decision and signing a card. Somebody say amen. I believe you have to make a decision to be saved. But it's not a walk down the aisle popping your chewing gum and smiling from ear to ear like a possum and getting up and walking on your merry way and never having a changed life. That is not the salvation of this book. The salvation of this book is when a man sees himself as he really is. He knows he has sinned against God. He knows he is guilty of the judgment of God and he deserves to be put in hell. But he sees the grace and the mercy and the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross cross of Calvary and realizes uh, that there is a substitute for his sin and that if he's willing to repent and believe the message uh, then he by the grace of God through faith can be saved. Can I get a witness on that? And so I see his call. He calls the wrong people in. And then this queen uh, his mother says to him, said wait a minute. Said I know a man by the name of Neb- uh, by Daniel who uh, is there's great wisdom. He has an excellent spirit. And said uh, when Nebuchadnezzar was king, said he had the ability to interpret dreams. So Belshazzar brings him in. He questions him to find out if he's the man who that they said he was. Uh, and so he says that he is. Uh, and then in verse number sixteen, notice this or verse seven or verse sixteen, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, and I have heard of thee, and that thou canst make interpretation and dissolve 
doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. Boy, I mean, listen, he makes an offer to him that is unbelievable. But notice what Daniel said in verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation thereof. Now you think about this. In verse number 17, you know what what Belshazzar tried to do? He he tried to buy, uh, listen, his way into the kingdom of God. But I'll tell you something. God's man and God's message is not for sale. Can I get a witness on that? I like what Daniel said to the king. He said, you can keep your gifts uh, for yourself or for somebody else. Uh, uh, But Daniel said, I'm not interested. Uh, I'll tell you what God said, but you're not going to bribe me. Can I get an amen right there? Friend, we're living in a time when men are preaching for filthy lucre. They're preaching for the, uh, listen, they're preaching for the prosperity and for the favor of man. But what this nation needs once again, what sinners needs once again, what this generation needs once again, is some men of God that will cry loud and spare not. They need some men of God that will look beyond their faces and not preach for the fear and favor of man. They'll preach if there's a house full. They'll preach if there's a handful. But we need some men of God that cannot be bought with the gifts of this world. Amen. I remember a few years ago, a gentleman came out one Sunday morning as I was standing there and he gave me a crispy handshake, a $100 bill. I said, well, praise God. He wanted to be a blessing to me. And then the next Sunday, he came out and he gave me another $100 bill. I said, well, hallelujah. Now, if you want to do that this morning, you're not going to make me mad, I promise you. Don't sit there on your your $100 bill and say, well, you know, I wonder if preacher really wants this. I'll go ahead and make an announcement. I'll take any you don't want. Somebody say amen. But on the third Sunday, Brother Caleb... When he gave me that third one, I said, "Uh uh-oh. Nobody loves a preacher that much. (laughs) Surely not in the Baptist realm. I said, what does this cat want? Amen. And sure enough, he said, I would like to take you to, to lunch. And so I went to lunch at his expense. Amen. And we sat down. And so he began to tell me everything he did and everything he was. And you know, you always got to be leery of people that think they have accomplished anything in life. Amen. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Friend, every time I get in a pulpit, I'm scared out of my mind uh, that God won't show up uh, and it'll just be a dead sermon. Amen. Uh, But I listened to everything you had to say. And at the end of the conversation, I said, well, brother, I'm thankful for all God has done in your life. And I appreciate how the Lord has greatly used you. Well, then he said to me, he said, well, he said, what I'm really wanting to ask you because he didn't think I got the the message is, uh, he said, I kindly want a position. I want something to do. I said, well, I said, I wish I could give you a position, but I said, there's two problems with that. Number one, you're not a member of the church. I said, and number two, uh, uh, there's not anything open right now. All positions have been filled. Well, I want to tell you what happened at the end of that. He did not give me another hundred dollar bill. Amen. In fact, I never did see that man again. But can I tell you something? I didn't give him his three hundred dollars back neither. Amen. Isn't that right? Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. 
I'm going to tell you something. Brother, I'm telling you, a real man of God, and I'm not saying that I am, and I'm not, don't misunderstand me, but a preacher that is worth his salt will not sell out for money. Somebody say amen. Brother, I'm telling you, there's things that we believe this morning in this book, they are not for sale. Brother, I'm telling you, if, if there was a man, and there's not, but if there was a millionaire in this church this morning, uh, listen, that was giving money like could not be, uh, could not be explained. I would be thankful for that, but he's going to hear the same sermon that everybody else is going to hear. And if he takes his money and goes somewhere else, guess what? God signs our paycheck. God's paid the bills for 50-something years around this place. uh, And he'll keep the doors open as long as he wants to keep the doors open. Amen? Uh, But I'm telling you, when you do something for a man of God, or for anybody for that matter, it ought to be with no strings attached. Uh, It ought to be because God laid it on your heart and because you want to, not because you feel like you have to. To. Somebody say amen right there. And a real man of God ought to appreciate it but never expect anything because God will take care of every one of us. But I see his call. But this chapter closes out with his fall. The Bible says in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldean slain. You see, listen, Daniel interprets the message in verse number 24 and he tells him about the judgment of God in verses 25 down to verse number 27. He tells him in verse Verse number 25, 6, that the interpretation of the thing meaning is that God hath numbered thy kingdom and hath finished it. That Tico says, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. That Perez is thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. You know what Daniel did? He stood before the king and delivered a message that the king did not want to hear, but it was certainly one that he needed to. Amen? And brother, can I tell you what God said to the king is, I have had enough and the party is over with. Belshazzar partied his way to the gates of hell and died. This morning I could tell you and testify and others could as well of people who have walked away from God or never even known God and they have partied their way to the grave and some to the gates of hell. Perhaps there's somebody sitting here this morning and you say, preacher, and let's just be honest. I want to get saved because I don't want to go to hell, but I want to stop the way I'm living. Well, I want to tell you something, friend. You'll never get saved until you get sick and tired of the life that you're living. The Bible does not teach a salvation where you can be saved and live as you please and do as you will. Is that right this morning? I don't even use the phrase once saved, always saved. I do believe that, but I believe in eternal life. I believe in everlasting life. But I don't use that phrase because people have cheapened it to the point to say that, well, I'm saved so I can live any way I want to live. No, that's not the God of the Bible. Amen. If you're saved, God will take you to the woodshed. Amen. And I can tell you how to know if you're saved in two seconds. If you're enjoying the sin that you're living in and not facing any consequences for it, then friend, you can chalk it up. You've never been born born again. Amen. What I see here is that when God deals with Belshazzar in this text, notice in verse number 5 that when the hammer of God's judgment falls, notice how it falls. Uh, number 1, it falls fast. Uh, the Bible said in verse number 5, in the same hour. I'm telling you, friend, in the same hour that this man was in his sin, boom, the God, uh, the judgment of God uh, uh, falls. Uh, now, I don't think this morning anybody can hear this message and walk out and shake their feet 
fist in the face of God and live in sin and not face the consequences of it. Amen. You've already heard the truth now and it's up to you what to do with it. But if you've got sin in your life, if you're living in sin or if you don't know God, then I'm here to warn you this morning, you need to get right with God. You need to be saved because when God's judgment falls free, it falls fast. I've seen people die just like that. Healthy people. Young people. I know of a young man that at 21 years of age closed his eyes and never woke up again. As far as we know, he went to hell. Living at the age where he said to his mother and his father, I'm going to do what I want to do now. I'm 21 years old. I can now drink alcohol. And I'm going to drink. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what the Bible says. You know the thing about that? He never got to drink the first drop. Said that to his parents, went to his bedroom, went to sleep, woke up in eternity and faced God. The hammer of God's judgment, when it falls, it falls fast. I could take you to the grave of a, of a, of a 16-year-old girl this morning where a, a mother stood in the face of a man of God and made a bold accusation, and within 10 days, her daughter, it was in eternity. There's no mistake about what she said was the very thing that came to pass in her life. Friend, that's not a coincidence, that's providence, Amen. I think one thing that's missing in our generation and it's so watered down today in our churches is people don't reverence and fear God like they used to. Hey, 35 years ago, sinners had more respect and fear for the house of God, the man of God, the church, uh, and for the God himself than a lot of people that say they're saved. Amen. Do you know that prostitutes dress more modest in the 40s uh, than what the average person that goes to church nowadays does? If you don't believe that, just look it up. Amen. I'm telling you, We've come a long way, baby, hadn't we? Amen. But I'm telling you, God has not changed. The Bible has not changed. And what this generation needs is they need to hear the same message that we heard back in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and the 70s. And that is that God is to be feared. God is to be reverenced, friend. And the hammer of God's judgment, the wheels may grind slow, friend, but they surely grind. Amen. As I'm standing here this morning, I see that it fell fast. I see that when God said to him that he'd had enough and the hammer of his judgment fell, it fell for all to see. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 5. The Bible says the finger of a man's hand was wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. God did not send Daniel in privately. God took it upon himself Just like that wall that we're looking at, God wrote the message on the wall for all to see. Let me say this one more time. Isn't it amazing how bold people are on social media? Some of you sit out here and know nothing about that because thank God you don't care anything about it. But so many people hide behind a computer And they type with their fingers things and they never think about the consequences. Do you know the Bible said that every idle word that man shall speak, he's given account there in the day of judgment. I think every idle word that we type because it's coming out of our heart. We're going to stand before God. Hiding behind a computer and punching something in and walking away and feeling brave and bold and courageous. One day, You'll have to give an account of that before God. 
I'm telling you this morning, friend, we're living in a world that never thinks about this. We're living in a world that when you preach this, you'll get some strange looks. But I tell you, I've been, I'm not an old man, but I've come far enough to just not care anymore. Amen. I I don't know if it's age or if it's just you fight so much hell being a preacher nowadays. Sometimes you just, and there's no problems in this church, but you just get to the place where you get so sick of the mess, where you just say to yourself, come what may. Amen. I don't want, I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking for problems, but I'm telling you, listen, this world is bold. Amen. And I'm not wanting to start anything, amen. But I tell you, as a man of God, we cannot afford to roll over and be a bunch of lily-livered preachers uh, with not even a spine anymore. I'm telling you, I want to go to a church where a man loves me enough, amen. He loves me enough to, to preach to my soul, amen. I, I tell you, if I could keep somebody out of hell this morning, if I could keep somebody from ruining their home and ruining their marriage, I'd rather listen to you could keep your money from now till Jesus comes. I'm telling you, listen, I just soon preach. God in heaven knows my soul this morning. We're facing there people's souls in the balance, friend. And I'm telling you, there's coming a time when God is going to judge men for all to see. Hallelujah. You know what rings in my mind this morning? One of these days, this entire congregation, not just the people sitting here, but everybody I've been associated with for the past 20 years in this church, we're going to stand together before God. And I don't know where I'll be, Brother David, but I'm quite certain I'll weep more for myself and others than I've ever wept in this life. And the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 13 that the man of God that watches for your souls obey them that have the rule over you. I'm telling you, I'm nothing this morning. And I'm not a Lord There's things I don't even want to know about people's lives. There's details I don't want you to ever tell me. There's decisions to be made that is not my place and I want nothing to do with it. But having said that, one of these days, it's a constant reminder that we're going to stand before God. I have to give an account of everything that goes on in this church. I have to give an account of every song that is sung, every sermon that's ever preached, everything that ever happens. That's, that's, that, I'm telling you something I don't look forward to this morning. And then I have to give an account of every soul that walks through that building or through those doors and the message that they hear. And I want to tell you, when you think about that this morning and we stand before God, I'd much rather, I'll tell you, I'd rather die broke. I mean, it's not two nickels to rub together and have rescued, helped, helped. I can't rescue nobody, but you know what I'm saying. Preach the truth. I don't want to compromise. Daniel stood before him and he told him the truth. Regardless of the... You know that king could have cut his head off for telling the truth. And it was for all to see. You know what, this morning, if you got sin in your life, you'd be far better to come to this altar and get on your knees this morning and repent and ask God for forgiveness and find mercy. As to face God's judgment and all the world see it. God knows how, I said this last Sunday and I want to say it again, God knows how to make a fool out of a man. God knows how to just bring a man to his knees in just one, just one moment. Brother, this judgment was fast. It was fearful. The Bible said in verse number 5 that 
His countenance was changed. His thoughts was troubled. And the joints of his loins were, were loosed. And the Bible said his knees were smoked together. I'm going to tell you what God did. He raised up a message. He raised up a preacher. And he shook the foundation of a very God-denying heathen. That man went from smiling and partying and, and, and shaking his fist in the face of God to all of a sudden his, his loins, the Bible said, were loosed. Uh, I won't even describe to you what that means. Uh, and then his joints uh, were, were, were smoked together. You know, God can strike fear in a man's heart in, a, in, in, in the twinkling of an eye. I remember several years ago when me and my wife was teenagers, a young boy that came to our church, you know as well who I'm talking about, he got saved. His mom and his dad were separated and living in sin and his br- brothers were lost. And there in the town that we lived in, coming off the mountain, he was coming off that mountain one night with his daddy. And that car, I don't know if the brakes went out or they were going too fast, but the car went off the ridge and went down in a ravine in, the mount- in that mountain and it, it exploded. And sta- people that were standing by as that car was engulfed in flames and they were trapped in, those that were not already dead were burning to death in that fire. And they could hear the screams coming out of that holler. I'm going to tell you, the hammer of God's judgment not only affects those, but it affects those around them. It's fast. It's for all to see. It's fatal, friend. And then I see it's final. Let me show you this and I'm done. Notice what the Bible says here. Verse 26, God hath numbered thy kingdom, and notice this, and finished it. This morning, if you're here, you're not saved, or you're backslid, you're running from God, you got sin in your life, maybe there's something you've never truly confessed. I don't know. All I know is what God impressed on my heart to preach. What I do know this morning is that if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, then you ought to come. And you better not wait. You ought to come now. I want you to know this morning, if you're visiting, I'd never in any way try to preach anything. You say, preacher, you, you just try to be mean. No, I don't. I honestly, I don't. I love you this morning. I don't care if I don't even know you. I love you this morning. And I want to see you get right with God. I tell you, I'd like to see somebody get saved. Wouldn't you like to see somebody get born again this morning? I may not just come down that aisle just like it's nothing. So I'd like to see somebody come down that aisle under a load of old-timey conviction. Their heart's so heavy, it's sunk down in their chest. I'd like to see you come down that aisle this morning and say, Oh God, it's now or never. It's me. Lord, you've wrote on the wall of my heart and I'm guilty. I... I've been weighed in the balance and I'm felt wanting. I'm guilty. Friend, you need that this morning. Would you come? Would you come this morning? And if you're saved and you got sin in your life, I want to tell you something. You cannot get by with it. You can do something in a corner. But God said, He's going to show it for all the world to see, friend. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. I used to wonder growing up, 
How does the preacher know so many things? Is he talking to somebody? Is somebody te- you know I hear things sometimes that nobody knows that I know. And I go on like I don't know. But God let me find out. I'm not going to come preach on it just because I know. But if I know, I'm not going to not preach on it if God told me to preach the message. Isn't that right? I used to grow up like that, and I think, how's that preacher know? Man, he nailed me this morning. How, how, who told him? Who's he been talking to? God. He'll always let the preacher know. You know why? Because he loves you. You do something in a corner, the preacher will find out about it. Can't hide it. There's one boy in this church. Every time he'd get in trouble, he come to me and he said, who's telling you? I said, it doesn't make no difference. <laughs> Bottom line is, I know. Is that right? You hear how quiet it is right now? I said, bottom line is, I know. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I don't care if you go to Russia and do it. I said, God will send a pigeon by. And he'll let him crow just like that rooster crowed. Amen. Is a rooster crowing in your life this morning? What about it as we stand? Come on. Let's do business with God this morning. Let's do business with God. It don't matter. Don't get mad. Get right this morning. Amen. Well, I'm telling you, nothing will thrill you, nothing will thrill me. Just get right with God this morning. Tell God you're sorry. You so preacher, you don't know. I don't, I don't have to know. And if I do know, it doesn't make no difference. Tell God you're sorry. And find forgiveness this morning. I wonder, all over this house this morning, while Christians are praying, I wonder if there's somebody here to say, Brother Gravely. Heads about eyes are closed. Christians are praying. I want to face somebody here and say, Brother Gravely, if I died, I, I don't know I'd go to heaven. And I'm scared about that. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid I'm not ready. And I, I want to ask you to please pray for me. I don't want you to embarrass me, but I want to lift my hand. I want to ask you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that this morning? I'll pray for you. I promise you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Please. Please raise your hand this morning if you're lost. Please love your soul enough to at least raise your hand. Let somebody pray for you. Would you do that? Would you do that? Don't let pride keep you from lifting your hand. I see that hand. What about somebody else this morning? Don't you let pride keep you from that. Do you care about your soul, your eternal destiny? Where are you going to spend eternity, friend? Oh, you don't want to wake up to the the flames of hell. Don't party your way to the gates of hell and die without Jesus Christ. Is there somebody here this morning? Brother Gravely, please pray for me. I want to somebody say, Preacher, I'm saved, but I'm not right with God. And I'll be honest, would you pray for me? I'm not right with God this morning. I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that? Anybody like that? You'd lift your hand. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. But please pray for me. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else this morning? Would you be honest? Hey, friend, why don't you do business? You can find mercy. There's forgiveness. God's not your enemy. He's your Savior, your friend. He loves you this morning. He don't want to hurt you. He wants to help you. And He's got an outstretched hand saying, if you'll come, 
If you'll come, I'll pray with you this morning. If you'll come, he'll forgive you. While Brother David sings, how about it this morning? Would you come?